Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. If you are new or newish, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors at the church. Normally I preach live today, I'm on video. Okay, so if you are not new or newish, I should probably let you know that I do not have vertigo, okay? Like a bunch of weeks ago, I talked about a time when I woke up, the whole room was spinning, and we showed a video sermon. That's not the case today. I've been spending time with my family. I'll be back in person next week to tell you all about it. But it should be noted that every time I speak, whether that's on video or in person, I kind of have the same goals. I just want to inspire you. I want to challenge you. I want to educate you. I want to encourage you. I want to motivate you. But the question that you should have, whether you're here for the first time or the 400th, the question that we should all have really is, to what end, Mike? You, you motivate towards what end? What's the goal? What's the goal of the encouragement? What's the goal of the inspiration? What's the goal of the challenge? And the goal for me, again, is always the same, that we would meet Jesus and get to know him better because I think that changes everything. So at Southside Church, we're not fixated on the presence of Mike Manus. I sure hope not. But we're always seeking the presence of God because that's where change happens. Let me put it this way, that you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body and you have a brain. Your body and brain are really important, but they're not you. Like at at the core of you is your soul. And so we talk a lot about people changing from the inside out. It's really the only way that a person can actually change. Changing from the inside out. And only God's presence can do that. That God gets a hold of you at the soul level. And he gives you love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, strength hope, courage, perseverance, and then that manifests itself to the outside. So we're here today not to celebrate the presence of Mike Mattis, that's for sure, but we are here to seek and celebrate the presence of God because when we do that, then we better lean in because big things are about to happen. Make sense? I thought so too. I built my house by the sea, not on the sands, mind you, not on the shifting sand, and I built it on a rock. A strong house by a strong sea. And we got well acquainted, the sea and I. Good neighbors. Not that we spoke much. We met in silences. Respectful, keeping our distance, but looking our thoughts across the fence of sand. Always the fence of sand, our barrier. Always the sand between. And then one day, and I still don't know how it happened, the sea came. Without warning, without welcome, Even not sudden and swift, but a shifting across the sand like wine, less like the flow of water than the flow of blood. Slow but coming. Slow but flowing like an open wound. And I thought of flight, and I thought of drowning, and I thought of death. And while I thought, the sea crept higher till it reached my door. And I knew then there was neither flight, nor death, nor drowning. When the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors. Well acquainted, friendly at a distance neighbors. And you give your house for a coral castle. And you learn to breathe underwater. We're in this series based on the 12 steps of recovery. As first published in the Alcoholics Anonymous big book back in 1939. And here we are in July of 2022. And I'm suggesting that we've never needed to lean into healing more than we do right now. We've never needed to lean into recovery more than we do right now. And and today we're on step seven. 
And I want to tell you, this, ser- this sermon stands alone. It's going to help you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to inspire you just as it is. But if you want to get the most out of this series, I would really recommend if you're new, go back and listen to all of the sermons that you missed. If you've, if you've been here for a long time, but you've missed a couple, go back. Go to the podcast. Go to YouTube. Go on to SouthsideLife.com. You can listen to me at double speed if you want. I really believe that this whole series together is going to be powerful for all of us. See, the 12 steps were taken largely from the Bible. In particular, the Beatitudes of Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus taught is he taught that we live in a world that's beautiful, but it's also broken. Okay, and so that plays out in our lives. Because on one hand, we experience triumph in our lives, but we also experience tragedy and trials and trauma. On one hand, we experience glory in our lives, but we also experience grieving and guilt. On one hand, we experience happiness in our life, but we also experience hurt. And so sometimes when we look back at our lives, we realize that this world has left us broken and hurting, which is a pretty big deal not only to us but to others too, because we know this, that hurting people hurt people and broken people break people. So we're leaning in to this series. We're leaning into these 12 steps inspired by the teachings of Jesus. Because I also know this, that when we lean into healing, when we lean into recovery, when we lean into freedom, we not only find it for ourselves, but we bring it to others also. So today we're in step seven. And step seven says this, we humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. We humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. Last week was step six. And we talked about the fact that you could boil step six down to one question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? You remember Jesus was walking near this pool in Jerusalem called Bethesda. And there was a man there, a a crippled man, who had been there for 38 years, day after day after day, wanting to get healed. And Jesus walked up to him and he said, do you want to get well? And on the surface, it seems like kind of a crazy question. Kind of an obvious question, but then we looked at it and we realized this man doesn't even answer directly. So surely there's something to that, that inside of all of us, it can become easy to become defined by our dysfunction or to become comfortable with that which cripples us. So we really, each one of us, we have to come to a place where we can answer the question, do you want to get well? Well, today is step seven, and if I had to boil step seven down to one question, here's what it would be. Do you want to let go? Do you want to let go? Let me get really specific. Do you want to let go of the illusion of self-sufficiency? And do you want to let go of the lie that is self-reliance? Do you want to let go of the illusion of self-sufficiency? Do you want to let go of the lie that is self-reliance? Do you want to let go? See, if you've ever been in recovery, maybe you've heard this phrase before, let go and let God. Let go and let God. Do you want to let go? Do you want to let go? Do you actually want to let go of this illusion called self-sufficiency, of this lie called self-reliance? Do you want to let go? See, we started with that poem. It says this, When the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors. Well-acquainted, friendly, at a distance neighbors, and you give your house for a coral castle, and you learn to breathe underwater. See, in this poem, a person builds their house close to the sea, and the sea represents God. And they look at the sea, and the sea is a neighbor. The sea is a scenic distraction. The sea is a comfort. 
But the problem is that's not all the sea is. Eventually the sea is going to be so much more. And it illustrates the way that you and I have a tendency to relate to God at times. Let me be really clear with you. God doesn't want to be your neighbor. God doesn't want to be your scenic distraction. God doesn't want to be just your advisor. God doesn't want to just be your buddy. God wants to be, and Charles Spurgeon said it this way, God wants to be your all in all. God wants to be your everything. When the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors. You give your house for a coral castle, and you learn to breathe underwater. God wants to be your all in all. God wants to be your everything. And the question today is, do you want to let go? Do you want to let go of this illusion called self-sufficiency? Do you want to let go of this lie called self-reliance? James chapter 4 in the New Testament of the Bible says it this way. Submit yourself to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First Peter says this. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you in due time. Jesus talked about, to his disciples once about how we need to pray. And he taught them to pray this way. He said, pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. In my life as in heaven, your will be done. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this in Romans chapter 12. We are to submit our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. This is our spiritual act of worship. What does God want from you? Everything. Everything. What, what does God want to be to you? Everything. Jesus wants to be your all in all. So here's the question of step seven. And if we're going to move any further down this road called recovery, down this road called healing, down this road to freedom, we got to answer it. Do you want to let go? Do you really want to? Do you, do you want to let go of this illusion called self-sufficiency? Do you want to let go of this lie called self-reliance? Oswald Chambers said it this way. If you debate for even one second when God has spoken, it's all over for you. Never start to say, well, I wonder if he really did speak to me. Be reckless immediately. Totally unrestrained and willing to risk everything by casting your all upon him. You don't know when his voice will come to you, but whenever the realization of God comes, even in the faintest way imaginable, be determined to recklessly abandon yourself, surrendering everything to him. It's only through abandonment of yourself and your circumstances that you will recognize him. You will only recognize his voice more clearly through recklessness, being willing to risk your all. We humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. You want to let go? You, you want to let go of this illusion called self-sufficiency? You, you want to let go of this lie called self-reliance? You want to? That's a tough question. Years ago, Muhammad Ali was the heavyweight champion of the world in boxing. He's one of the most charismatic, well-spoken, energetic, and confident athletes ever. The story is told that Muhammad Ali was on a plane with some of his friends one day and a flight attendant walked by and she said, 
excuse me, sir, you need to fasten your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali looked at her and he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And without skipping a beat, she looked back at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane. Now fasten your seatbelt. And that's a really funny story, actually. But I want to tell you something about you. It's really interesting, actually. The way that your pride manifests itself in your life is not this feeling that you are Superman. The way that pride manifests itself in your life is not that you are some superwoman. It's not. I'll tell you how pride manifests in your life. I'll tell you how pride manifests in my life in July of 2022 in this culture that we call home. Here's how it happens. We don't think that we are Superman or Superwoman, but we think we should be. We think we should be. We honestly think that we should be. If I was a good person... If I was a good Canadian, I'd be able to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'd be completely self-reliant. I wouldn't have to ask anybody for help. There was a survey done a few years ago that showed that 8 out of 10 church attenders in the United States thought that this verse was in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. God helps those who help themselves. There's only two problems with that particular phrase. Number one, it's not in the Bible. Number two, it's antithetical to the message of the gospel. It's antithetical to the message of the gospel. It's self-reliance and self-sufficiency again. You remember last week I told you that Jesus walked up to that guy, and that guy's been at this pool called Bethesda for 38 years, and he wants to get healed. And Jesus walks up to him and says, do you want to get well? And I think the guy nodded at him, and then Jesus says, stand up. And the man stands. Why? Because Jesus gave him the strength to stand. Do you get it? Self-sufficiency says, no, just stand up. Self-sufficiency says, if Mike Manis would have showed up two minutes earlier, I should have been able to look at him and said, go ahead, get up. What's wrong with you, man? Figure it out. Let's go. Just as crazy as it would have been to show up in that person's life before he met Jesus face to face and expect him to stand up on his own, that's how crazy it is when you and I think that we got this whole healing, recovery, freedom thing on our own. See, your problem, my problem with pride, it's not this, oh, I think I'm Superman, I think I'm Superwoman. It's not that. It's we think we should be. We think it's a shame to ask for help. It's a shame to admit that we still have some things to learn in our lives. For months now, we've been doing uh, staff chapel, Wednesdays at noon at Southside Church here. My wife, Corinne, comes in every week, and she's brilliant if I do say so myself, but it's just amazing. Corinne speaks. We listen to music. Sometimes we sing. We pray for our city. We pray for our church. We pray for each other. And since this 12-step series has started, we do our step work together. We share a little bit with each other after we do our worksheets. So anyways, a few weeks ago, we decided that we were all going to have lunch together after chapel. So we sat around this big table, and everyone was eating, and I had a little thing on my phone to generate random questions. And I actually think we only got through two, maybe three Because the last one I asked was so profound. Here was the question, real simple. What did you learn in the last week? What did you learn in the last week? And the answers were just amazing. One person said, I learned how to put air in my car tires this week. Which I kind of thought was hilarious in a way. 
And then I thought about it later, and I thought, okay, well, this person is 24 years old, right? So it's kind of weird in a way that someone who's 24 years old doesn't know how to put air in their tires, right? But you know what would be even weirder? If someone was 25 years old and didn't know how to put air in their tires. Do you get what I'm saying? Like at some point, you just have to learn. At some point, you just have to accept, I need a little help. It's like Corinne and I watched this show called The Amazing Race. I don't know if anyone watches it anymore. But every single season, every single season on The Amazing Race, there is a point in the race where you're going to have to know how to drive a standard transmission vehicle. Every year. And every time that part of the season comes, there's a ton of teams that don't know how to drive standard. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like you knew a year before the show started that you were going to be on the show. I don't know. Maybe how to learn how to drive standard. You're saying, Mike, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Not really. But, but it kind of does because we got to learn. So we're going around this table and somebody else said, I learned how much it costs to rent candle holders for my wedding, which everyone was excited about because we were so stoked about this person's wedding. And then it got a little bit deeper. One person said, this week I learned that God answers prayer. And then another person said, this week I learned that even though my kindness looks like, looks different than other people's kindness, I'm still a kind person because God made me kind, but in my own way. And then another person said, this week I learned that even though I don't have much money, I have a really rich life. And someone else said this, um, This week I learned that God has a plan for my life, that God's given me a purpose, that I'm here to make a difference in this world, even though I have a voice in my head telling me over and over and over again, I'm unqualified. God says I'm qualified, that he makes me qualified. And I remember walking away after that particular staff lunch, and I was just so proud of our staff, which is kind of funny because I was proud of their humility, which I'm not sure if you're allowed to be proud of someone else's humility, but I was. And I imagine what it would be like to sit around a table and ask a group of people this question, what have you learned in the last week, and be met with blank stares. Like, I've arrived. I don't need to grow. It's really, really sad. Because in our culture, for you and me, our problem with pride isn't this idea that I am Superman or I am Superwoman. You get it, right? Our problem with pride is that we think we should be. We think we should be. We, we, we shouldn't ask for help. We shouldn't still have to grow. And so then we end up walking around our lives pretending to be something that we're not. And the problem with that is that God can't heal the person that I'm pretending to be. That God can't heal the person that I'm pretending to be. So it's time to ask this question. Hey, do you want to let go? Do, do you want to let go of this illusion of self-sufficiency? Do you want to let go of this lie called self Reliance. Do you want to let this is where the rubber hits the road? Coming to a place where you get so deep into your life that you stop and look around and go, I can't do this. Like you come to a place, and it's a scary place, that you get so deep into your life that you stop and look around and go, I can't do this. This is where the rubber hits the road. In recovery circles, they say that step seven separates the women from the girls. It separates the men from the boys because it's so difficult in our culture to let go, 
to let go of self-reliance, to let go of self-sufficiency, to say, you know what? I need help. I can't do this on my own. Do you want to let go? C.S. Lewis described hell this way. He said, hell begins with a grumbling mood. Always complaining, always blaming others. But you're still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish you could stop it. But there may come a day when you can no longer. Then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy it, but just the grumble itself going on forever like a machine. It's not a question of God sending us to hell. In each of us, there is something growing which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. And it should be noted that only God can nip it in the bud. So the question remains. Do you want to let go? Do you want to let go of this illusion called self-sufficiency? Do you want to let go of this lie called self-reliance? Do you want to come to a place in your life when you say, God, I can't stop this cycle of constant complaining on my own. God, I can't stop procrastinating on my own. God, I can't stop feeling jealous on my own. God, I can't stop feeling bitter on my own. God, I can't stop lusting on my own. God, I can't stop this insatiable need inside of me to win at all costs on my own. I can't. And I'm ready to let go and let God. I can't. God, I can't stop people-pleasing on my own. I can't stop people-pleasing on my own. Now, that's an interesting one. I can't stop people-pleasing on my own. Okay, so I have a counselor. I've told some of you about him before. I've nicknamed him the silent sentinel. And the reason why I called him the silent sentinel is because he barely ever talks, okay? So, like, I'll have 45-minute Zoom meetings with the silent sentinel where maybe, like, 20 words in total are exchanged. It's a nightmare sometimes. And the only two reasons why I haven't quit the silent sentinel is, number one, Corinne won't let me. And number two, like, every once in a while when he does speak, it's gold. Like, it is wisdom. And so, while I don't enjoy my sessions with him, I do appreciate it because because of those moments. So a few weeks ago, I'm meeting with him, and he speaks up. He says, it seems to me, Mike, and I'm like, whoa, wait, he spoke. This is great. Do tell. Do tell. Continue, Silent Sentinel. He says, it seems to me, Mike, that you see every conversation as a test, a test that you will be graded on, a test on which you must receive an A. And I remember, like, sitting there looking at him going, yeah, like, I I think that's probably true. And then he says this, and I think that includes the talks that you have with me. And I was like, Eureka, that's it. That's why I hate meeting with you so much, Silent Sentinel. That's exactly it. That is exactly why this is a nightmare to me. Because, and this is going to sound odd to you guys a little bit, but I pay the Silent Sentinel to be my counselor. You understand that? Like, I, I pay him to counsel me. And yet, when I'm meeting with him, the whole time I'm stressed out. I'm like, oh man, the silent sentinel is bored. He's so bored. This is so boring for him. I gotta think of a good story. I gotta think of a good story to tell the silent sentinel. And then I go through story number one. No, no, that's dumb. Story number two. So, and so I, five minutes have gone by and no one's talked. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should go back to story number one. I don't know about story. And now 10 minutes have gone by and nobody's talked. And I'm just agonizing because I'm worried that the silent sentinel is gonna leave the meeting and go, guys, fellow counselors, gather in. I want to tell you about the most boring client that anyone has ever had. Mike Manis. The guy is boring. I'm so bored. 
Now, some of you are looking at me right now, and you're like, I can relate. And most of you are looking at me right now going, what is going on? Touche, my friend. But here's my question. What are the areas, what are the areas in your life that you actually can't fix in your own? See, see, I'll tell you the problem with people-pleasing, right? The problem with people-pleasing is really simple. As we talked about this last week, when you look at the world about what you can get from them, that's an issue. And, and when you're all about people-pleasing, you're actually looking to get their approval. So to truly love somebody, you have to actually step back from that. And that's a big deal, but I have to come to a point in my life when I have to say, God, this whole self-reliance, self-sufficiency thing, no. I need your help. So what are the areas of your life where you need God's help? Galatians 2 says it this way. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it's lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to go back on that. So this is it. You know, this is like separate the men from the boys, separate the women from the girls. Rubber hits the road. Do you, do you, do you want to let go? God doesn't want to be your buddy. He doesn't want to just be your buddy. He doesn't want to be your neighbor. He doesn't want to be a scenic distraction. God wants to be your all in all. So step seven is about letting go of that illusion that says I can pull myself up by my bootstraps, letting go of that self-reliance and self-sufficiency and saying, God, I need you. See, because when the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors, well-acquainted, friendly, at a distance neighbors, and you give your house for a coral castle, and you learn to breathe underwater. Let's pray. Dear God, we come to you today collectively and individually. For some of us, this is our first week here, and for some of us, we've been here for hundreds of weeks. But for each one of us, God, we pray that you would help us to let go. The, the truth is there are some areas in our lives that we can't do on our own. We can't. There are some compulsions, some obsessions, some anxieties, some depression. There's some things that we can't handle on our own. So today, Jesus, I give you me. The highs and the lows. The trophies and the trials. The glory and the guilt. The highlights and the lowlights. I give you me because I need you, and I love you, and I'm thankful that when you give me the strength, I can stand. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. The band is going to close with the song today, but I just wanted to say one more thing. I keep, obviously, you probably figured out I just love this poem.
And I love this line that when the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors. And you give your house for a coral castle and you learn to breathe under, underwater. And of course, it made me think a little bit about baptism because we got a baptism coming up in a few weeks. And, and, and if you want to talk about, do you want to let go? I think baptism is like an expression of that, a confession of that. God, I need you. So we, we go down under the water of baptism. And it's like this feeling that I, I, I leave my sin and my guilt and my shame here, but also my self-reliance, my illusion of self-sufficiency and this lie called self-reliance. I leave it under the water with me, and then I stand up because Jesus rose, and I can rise too in his strength. And so the Bible says, believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. That's the order. Believe and be baptized. It doesn't say be perfect and be baptized. So I just want to really encourage you. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's let go. And let's let God get to work. Because when he does, it's going to get good. So just text the keyword dunk to 604-670-3040. We would love to baptize you here in a few weeks. And other than that, I'm going to turn over the band. I love you guys, and we'll see you in person next week. So like Pastor Mike said, we're gonna sing a song together and you guys are welcome to sing, but this time in the service is more so meant to be a time for response and just reflection of what we just learned. You know, we were um, learning that we need to just come to Jesus and let go and just surrender to him. And I don't know what you might need to let go of today, maybe something from your past, maybe something in your present, maybe there's a tough circumstance you're going through, maybe there's a great circumstance you're going through that you're scared you can't manage well, Maybe there's just something in the future that you're worried about. I don't know what it is, but I know that you do. And there's something for all of us to just lay at the feet of Jesus, to surrender to him and to just let go. And so we're gonna use this song as an opportunity to do that, to really lean in and put a stake in the ground and actually do it. Say, Jesus, I'm letting this go to you. And you're welcome to stand, you're welcome to sit. Um, sometimes I find it helpful to close your eyes. You know, we're always thinking that everyone's looking at us. No one is looking at you. And sometimes it's nice just to have a moment, just picture Jesus there with you, because he is there with you. And just surrender whatever that is for you. Just let it go at his feet and let it go with him because he cares for you. And that's a very safe place for you to put whatever that is um, that you're holding on to, just at Jesus' feet. to Jesus I surrender all to Spread.
Jesus, we just come before you and we do surrender. Thank you that we can trust you with anything. We can give anything to you and it's a safe place and it's a good place and it's a loving place. We're so thankful that you care for us. We're so thankful that you're good. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen, you guys. It was a great Sunday with all of you. Take care. We'll see you back next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.